Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm tired. I mean, Terry. Hi, I'm Mary Beth. And it has been a a long week of Sundance and very heavy movies. Um, in the chat, we have Perforina asking if festival movies tend to be heavy in general. And the answer is yes. <laughs> a lot of times it seems yes. like it. Especially with, I would I would say, like more high profile festivals yeah it's like if that makes sense like sundance i i feel like i feel like there's a lot of heavy shit yeah <laughs> sometimes ring ring who is that we have a guest who's, who's at the door we have a guest you have hello? a guest hello oh my goodness hello it's the devil he has <laughs> He has a word. Look at my new friend. Uh, I love him. And for those of you listening, well, you could see this if you subscribe to our Patreon and see the video. Hey. But I will, I'll use my words to explain to you what this is because I'm kind. It is the chatterer phone from Skinamarink, the creepy phone boy that is like $10 on Etsy. Like every, oh, is it really? Yeah, if you look it up, look it up now because I feel like they're gonna start skyrocketing in price because everyone wants Google one of these fucking things. I googled, so I tried. I actually it took me a little bit because people were like, "What the hell?" It's the Chatterer phone from the Fisher Price. Phone. Okay. And so when you pull it, like when you do that, no, when you pull it, its eyes like go like move. See? Oh no, that's horrifying. So yeah, this is my new friend. But I love him. So do I. He's terrifying. Are you gonna name him? Kevin. Kevin. What's the kid's name in Skinamarink? <laughs> Kevin is the kid's name in Skinamarink that this fucking thing tortures. That's why his name is Kevin. Anyway, so that's the first thing before we get into festivals. And then I had another before we jump in. Oh my god. 
it looks like someone chewed on this. Anyway, this is what you get for buying used toys um, <laughs> online. And also, when I was trying to open it, I was like shaking the box and it was ringing a little bit. And I was like, this oh, is the most no. haunted experience of my entire life. And Steve Cursed. was laughing. He was like, why do you keep bringing weird Cursed. toys into this house? I have like a couple like cursed looking dolls on my desk. So anyway, and then transitioning to my dumb story that I remember this like before we talk about festivals. I was watching a TikTok about hair dye and like spray on hair dye. And I had this yeah. memory unlocked of when I was a kid and I went to Hot Topic and saw hair dye. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to dye my hair at my friend's house. And my mom is it's like, I'm going to come home and have like my hair dyed. My hair was this color, wasn't bleached. I knew nothing about it. And so I bought this bottle and I was like, fuck yeah. Like it's a, temp- it's a temporary hair dye. Remember that for later. I was like, okay, cool. So like, it'll stay in for a bit and then it'll wash out. And so we go to my friend's house, my friend's house being his dad's um, houseboat. So I'm in someone's giant houseboat with this bottle of hair dye in this tiny sink. And I'm like, oh yeah. And I top pop off the top and it's a spray can. And I'm like, oh, how does this work? I thought temporary spray on hair color was actually hair dye. And I spent two hours trying to dye my hair with temporary hair dye when it was literally just paint in a can. Oh, no. It's like the dumbest memory of all time. But I just remember like being so pissed I couldn't dye my hair and then realizing that it was like temporary like costume (laughs) hair. It was costume like hair color. It wasn't even (laughs) hair dye. And my friend was watching anime laughing at me, like, what are you doing wrong? And then we realized, um, I can't read. So that's Mary Bass memory. Corner. Back when I um, when I had hair, I remember deciding that I wanted to go strawberry blonde one time. And it was orange. I looked like a fucking pumpkin. <laughs> I, I went to work did. the next day and everyone at work was like, You look like a pumpkin. Thanks. I'm, like, I'm aware. Wait, did you die did you have a beard? No. Okay, so it's like you should have just dyed your beard and gone full jacqueline. Might have had a goatee. Yeah, I was a goatee lad. I feel like everyone has a good, terrible hair dye I also story. did frosted tips very briefly. Purpurina. Gay <laughs> well, gay rite of passage and stories gay to rite die of passage. for. Spelled D Y E. On that note, speaking of gay rites of passage, <laughs> let's talk about I don't know. Let's talk about some movies from Sundance. This is going to be part one because we have watched so many good movies. So many movies. We're gonna... How many did you say you've seen? I've seen 16. I've seen, I think, 18. Yeah. But two of them, I watched while falling asleep on Ambien and I barely remember them. Moon. They were going to expire. I was like, fuck, I got to watch them. I get it. Since we've watched so many, we're going to first talk about the Midnighters. This episode, yeah. like the specific like horror section of the festival of the Sundance Festival program, and then next week we'll talk about all the other really cool shit we saw. That is like maybe horror, maybe not, but yeah. I know that we're actually still we're gonna watch more movies before next time. I know we're still in the process. Yes. There we go. We're still in the process of watching movies, so we'll have even more time. And there's next some week. there's some ones that aren't genre related that I really want to talk about. So. Yeah. Um, I think that will be our focus next week as well as, you know, Chucky, of course. But we also have Chucky tonight and Chucky gets, um, it's fucked. Thank God I watched all the movies. (laughs) You're right. I wouldn't have gotten jack shit, but we'll talk about that Uh in a bit. All right. So, um, let's just, because I think we've all, we've seen the same Midnight. Yeah, I've seen all of them, but one. There's one I haven't watched and I'm sorry. I don't want to watch it. You'll, by the power of deduction, you'll Uh know which one. It's 
not great. Might have been the one that I fell asleep halfway through. What do we want to talk about first? Maybe the one that gets released today? That and that okay. is uh, Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Alexander Pool. Skarsgård on a leash. Cock. Just a lot more cock than I expected. Come. I was not expecting a cum shot. It is a juicy movie. Yeah, so this is Brandon Cronenberg's third movie, arguably perhaps his most straightforward Uh, movie, where Alexander Skarsgård plays a failed author who is on vacation with his uh, rich wife. They are on the the fictional island of Latolka. Um, They're out which is like kind of branded as almost like a communist country it's never really gone into but some of the iconography i kind of like got big like eastern block country but like eastern block vibes yeah um but they're on this beautiful resort for the rich and they're in a compound and the compound is protected by like super tall fences and barbed wire and you're not supposed to leave the compound yeah basically like the locals are barbarians and you can't leave um you know and then, of course, they meet a couple, Romia Goth. It plays the glamorous, scary Gabby. They go on a little joy ride out of the compound. Uh, a, an, a manslaughter act happens, and they discover that uh, and, like murder slash any crime is like punishable by death. And then they find out if you're rich enough, you can just buy a body double, like a clone. It's not, like, totally... It's, like, very kind of vague about what's happening, about, like, what exactly is happening. Because the cloning sequence we get is just, like, him standing in, like, some liquid, and then he kind of just sees shit for a bit. It looks like really bad diarrhea It does! He's just... Is what it looked like. And then he gets a little... A, fa- a double, and then uh, shit goes south from there. Violent and hot, sorta. Very erotic. Very erotic. Even when it's like horrifying, it, there's still a, you know, it kind of reminded me in parts of like Brandon Cronenberg's take on Eyes Wide Shut, with like the man going on like a hedonistic, yeah, nightmarish journey through sex and violence and orgies and weird shit happening, and then hopefully trying to come out on the other side like it reminds me a bit of that yeah it's but sci-fi yeah ish it's another one of those like soft sci-fi movies in a way where it's like not predominant it's like really about it's like it is like predominantly sci-fi but not really like it's not like it's like obviously it's not about cloning machines and things like that it's more like how people abuse that kind of not even technology because it's like a secret like a like a a secret like about them having it i don't know it's very strange but i love that and like i don't i don't mean to compare but it does have crimes of the future vibes with like the setting and kind of like the vibes about what's happening and like i don't i know that comparing them oh you haven't seen it yet i need to so i I really enjoyed it alexander skargard's kind of a little wiener in it too he's like a little bit of like a sad little pathetic worm and i love it i love it (sighs) I, I, you know, I just, I love him. I love him so much. And I'll tell you, Mia Goth is unhinged in this. Jamesy! (laughs) (laughs) I just, her, she just approaches this role and just tears it apart. I, I was not expecting this performance from her. Like, I, great in X, great in Pearl, but this is like. Yeah, this is like. Another level. This is fucking unhinged in the best way so i interviewed her about this and she said it was her heart a really hard role because the character is so opposite of her like in all aspects and i think in like x and pearl there's like i think she can there seems to be like a more kind of personable side but then with gabby like she's just a full-on like sociopath yes it's incredible i love it 
We have a, like a beautiful yeah, female I... villain who just loves to jack dudes off and kill. Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> the feminist I- agenda. It is. <laughs> I'm going to bleach my eyebrows now. But yeah, so if you can see that in theaters, it's out today. I do kind of want to see it in theaters. I feel like it'd be a wild experience on a theater, uh, in a theater. So I might go see it again. I agree. I don't think it's as like heady as a... Uh... It's not. I think it like... Possessor, it's very straightforward. Yeah, it's very much like very obviously being like, look, the rich use, like the super rich use people. And even if you think you're in their Mm -hmm. inner circle, you're just a fucking plaything. Like it's super straightforward. But I think he does it in such a cool way visually. Yeah. And like to like a very big extreme that it's just like, hell yeah, I'll take that. Not everything could be possessor. Not everything should be. So no. Sometimes I just want a straightforward, ultra-violent movie. And speaking of a straightforward, ultra-violent movie, let's talk about Talk to Me. Oh my god. Talk to the hand, literally. I quit. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> uh, this one I think is perhaps my favorite of the festival so far. Okay. I think. As of, as of the current situation we are talking, it is my favorite of the festival. I think it's my favorite of the Midnighters. Okay. It's definitely my favorite of the Midnighters. Um, strong, strong cast of contenders for Midnighters, but this one is like a fucking lean. Was it lean? Yes, yeah, lean. It's a lean, mean horror machine that is. It's from Australia. We love Australian horror. Um, we have a couple mm-hmm. of those actually to talk about, but uh, basically. It's, this movie follows a group of teenagers who have come into possession of an embalmed hand of a psychic slash medium, which is like, the, it sounds so ridiculous, but the way they, they, they frame it is really interesting. So, and it kind of goes viral, like in their area where like people can hold the hand and they become a conduit for a spirit, but they have some rules to make sure like you don't, bad things don't happen in terms of like what it means to your body to be possessed for longer than I think like 60 seconds, 90 seconds. 90 seconds. Yeah. But so people are taking videos mm-hmm. of this at parties. Like it's a party trick. It's not just like, it's funny. It was that new drug. Like, yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. exactly. And people like want to, their hit. eyes get dilated. Yep. They, the black parts of their eye just like take over their entire eye. They get possessed by the spirits and it's like a party. It's a parlor trick. It's yep. like for them, it's something fun to do. Yep. And so, but they take it too far, as you can expect. As, but when as they take it too far, but when they take it too far, it's fucked up. Like it's like the story it's... is relatively simple, but it is uh-huh. mean. Like it's it's oh, it's very mean, and it's scary. Like this is the scariest movie yeah. of the festival, um, by mm-hmm. far, and I love that. It's not. Out it at one point. Yeah, exactly. I did too. And I, I gasped at some of the, uh, the self-inflicted violence. Shall we say, at some points, I know. just like really, I was like, oh my god, like this movie came with a, uh, a warning in front about like blood and violence. And the last time that I saw a movie at a festival that did that, it was the sadness. And this isn't, this is not at the no. sadness level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, there is a lot of red, and there is a lot of horrifying moments in this happening to teenagers slash like people who are you know like early teenagers and who look like teenagers but uh josh corn described it as like punk australian insidious okay i could see that i was i was feeling um like flatliners for the social media yeah that is very much it 
Um, yeah, that one is that's my that's been my favorite one of my favorites so far. But then there's another Australian midnight. I think it's being bought by a twenty four. Yeah, they're in too. talks to buy it, which makes sense. Talks. And I hope it gets a full like a theatrical because this is a really this needs to be a theatrical this needs to be release. a theatrical. It's a good movie to see with people. Like I want to see it on yeah. a on a screen with a bunch of people because like some really fucking good moments and like good jump scares. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's. I love it. It's gnarly. It's gnarly. But then the other, there's another Australian film that I unfortunately did not like as much. Uh, Run, Rabbit, Run, directed by Dana Reed. What did you think of this one? Um, I think Sarah Snook is very good in this movie. Yes. Cool. Yeah, I think that's about the consensus that the internet has had. That it, she's incredible, but the material is not great some people <laughs> and netflix bought it which is like i should have i kind of got a feeling before i even watched it sorry but like netflix horror movies have a reputation now they don't buy the good like yeah. the best shit anymore so I've, I've heard some people call this boring i actually was never bored watching it i i really I was like yeah i i would agree with i that. was on board with what was happening i just i don't i don't know i don't feel like it really did anything new no so it's from the producers of the babadook and that's so yeah. obvious as you watch it. It's like... Oh, absolutely. Your typical mom and daughter have a weird relationship and something happens and there's trauma and a creepy kid and mom drama and dead siblings. A and rabbit like, shows up. The kid starts dressing like with a, a rabbit face that doesn't have a mouth and there's horrible drawings being made. Like It's hitting all of these very just, familiar beats. And it doesn't really do anything... No. New to it's it. just kind of boring I, I, it's not boring I just think it's like there's a lot of cool stuff at the beginning that they just let go of like I thought there was some really mm-hmm. cool things to say about like estranged mother relationships and what happens yeah. when that person gets dementia because like my greatest fear is when me, my estranged dad gets older and I have to like I'm his only kid so like that that fucked me up at the beginning and i was like okay cool we're gonna keep going with this and then they just like loot drop it completely for like a a kind of typically boring narrative to which i say just watch like mungo if you want something like this like fucking watch like mungo because that's what this is trying to be like that's all i could think about was like this is trying mm. to be a version of like mungo whether they knew it or not obviously the babadook too and they just like didn't know what to do with it at all which is a bummer. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It is. But, like, it's just not. Another movie that has, like, a mother-daughter relationship that I thought did work was Birth slash Rebirth, which I I really dug. Um, it's produced by, it was, co- at least one of the producers on it was um, uh, Molly Elfman, who did Next Exit uh last year that i really loved and was on my my top list she's she's producing this um but you can see some some of the similar team because ariel marks does the score for this ariel marks also did the score for next exit and she also did the score for um shiva baby and ariel marks is a fucking star i'm obsessed with her she really is is i would love to chat with her but yeah so this was um Directed by Laura Moss and then co-written by Laura Moss and Brendan and J. O'Brien. It is a it is basically um, a gender flipped uh, Frankenstein story in a way of like this scientist that is trying to bring people back from the dead. And there is a matern uh, 
a, a prenatal is a prenatal nurse is that like obstetrics nurse yeah who whose daughter prenatal. ends up getting sick I, this is the one part that didn't really gel with me she gets sick and dies very quickly she had bacterial from, meningitis um, that's why i know but but it was like overnight i don't is it that quick it can be i think is it okay i was just like wow that's like yeah it can be really bad really it can get really bad really like she was fine and the next day she was dead (laughs) yeah i think that's actually possible jesus okay um fact check me and then (laughs) (laughs) i'm not a doctor and then the body does not make it to its um final place because the uh the mortician has taken it and has brought it back to life. Uh, and then the mortician... mom finds out and... Oh, yeah. The, the mom finds out and, like, yeah. But I was going to say, uh, the mortician played by Marin Ireland from The Dark and the Wicked. Yes. So good in this. She's incredible. She's in two movies at Sundance. This she year. is. Okay, thank you to Purpurina for looking up people dying as few as a few... In a... <sighs> die in as little as a few hours from bacterial meningitis all right cool okay sick um there we go but thank you (laughs) thank you so much um as if we couldn't have googled it but that's not fun (laughs) but yeah so Marin ireland is uh, dr rose casper who is the um pathologist but works in the morgue and then uh julie rias plays seely what her name judy judy reyes plays Seely, who is the mother. Yes. And they start forming this kind of like tentative. It's like it never falls into friendship. And I think that's what's really cool no. about this movie is that they don't it doesn't try to fall into like they fall in love or like they become good friends. Like they're always at a distance. And I yeah. like how it kind of keeps it cold because it really then ex- like kind of exemplifies the growth slash changes in both characters quite a bit. I don't want to give too much away, but like I love this movie. I yeah. think it's incredible. In a way, there's there's sort of like, I mean, there's sort of like mothers for the kid, like co co parenting almost in a way, with with the kid. But it's like, yeah, it, it's held at arm's distance, and I think that it's like a almost like a a marriage. I'm using that in quotations of like yeah. convenience in terms of like like the odd couple comparison is one that people keep making mm-hmm. including myself in my review because it is very much like okay these two very different people come together and like live under the same roof and have to kind of like learn how to work with each other in a weird scenario but because again like it is a pretty like familiar premise but it's done in a really interesting way that it isn't like trying to force emotions on them in a way yeah and i really like that well and they have different motives for exactly it. You know, one it, yeah. is like excited about recreating life the other is like my daughter literally died and i wasn't there for that yeah and she's like i want my baby back so like there's completely different mm-hmm. motives going on here and there's like a tension between that between the two of them and um it's i really liked it this movie really really worked for me me too i'm yeah this is talk to me and this are like my faves that makes sense yeah but then let's talk about more motherhood with a very different kind of movie uh in my mother's skin which i also really loved but it's fucked up (laughs) and deeply upsetting more than i expected yeah so this one 
Um, I mean, I think an easy comparison is 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 to compare it to Pan's Labyrinth in a way. Yeah. Um, it's less fantastical mm-hmm. and more deeply fucked up, I would say, than like Pan's Labyrinth. Although yeah. Pan's Labyrinth has a gut punch of an ending, mm-hmm. it it's more the it's in the Philippines, World War Two, Jack- Japanese occupation, Jack, yep, Japanese occupation, um, a young girl. Um, well, this family is in this like manor, the secluded manor, where a treasure might be hidden in the house, and people want it. Um, her father, this 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 girl's father, goes into town, and he's talking about coming back, and he doesn't. Then her mom gets sick, and she has a younger brother, and so she goes out to try to find some solution. And she comes across um, a lady in a dilapidated hut, ends up summoning flesh-eating fairies. That look like cicadas? Yeah. And it's gross. It's gross. And sad. It's so sad. It's dark. Production Uh design is awesome. Um, With the design of, like, I I was calling calling the the being the queen of the cicadas, because they have, like, this really cool headpiece that looks like it has cicada wings mm-hmm. coming out of the top and i think something that i really liked about this as well is that it's a lower budget movie but and so what it does instead of like showing you everything it does it puts a lot of work into the sound design i think to yeah. make things really gross so even though you're not seeing a lot of blood and go- and like gore in certain parts not to say that there isn't it but like they're really careful with how they do that so and it's gross like some of the scenes where you just hear things happening, it's like, oh, I really dug it. On a more like upbeat note, though, polite society. I loved this movie. It was so fun. I liked it so much more than I expected. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, so it is. It, it's like basically like a Jane Austen movie, but like in a contemporary Pakistani family, where the younger sister. Younger sister Rhea is training to be a stunt person. Her sister, who lives at home, is an artist and an art school dropout and, like, doesn't have any prospects. Um, Her mother and father, like, want her to get married. You know, like, it's got that typical, like, looking at, um, like, South Asian, like, Pakistani family dynamics in a contemporary setting. Mm -hmm. And at first it is kind of, like, one of those coming of age things of like, oh, you you hate your sister's fiance and you're trying to do anything you can to like foil the plot. And then there's a fucking twist in the middle that takes it to like full action movie, like stand, like full action movie. And it's so fun. It's like the perfect action movie for like the whole family. And I don't mean that in like it's a kid movie, but it it's like a mature action film that takes kids seriously so like adults will really love it but it's not like super gory and like super heavy um it balances that really well into something that's like really fucking fun and everyone's so good in it yeah everyone is incredibly good in it um and priya kansara plays ria the main character and she is just a ball of energy and she pretty much gives the movie it's it's I mean it's not to to say it again but it's energy like she just she's very um, charismatic and she carries this movie. I will say that I think that some of the energy dies down in the like 
transition to the third act. I a think bit, that they take they that take like, it too long. They take the whole like I was ready for it to be Yeah. I was ready for it to be over at, at a certain point. And then it like comes back and it gets that energy again for the, the climax. But it is it's a lot of fun. Um I it's kind of like in some ways reminded me a little bit of Scott Pilgrim yeah. in the way that mm-hmm. like, it has like a kinetic feel to it. There's a lot of like stylish uh, flourishes where it's like she, when she fights someone, it's versus like the verses and it's like a, almost like a fighter video game presented. Um, so it has that kind of like feel to it that I think uh, people will remember from Scott Pilgrim. It's not as, it's not as frenetic as that, um, but or is like outlandish in a lot of ways. I mean, there's some outlandish parts, yeah. in it, but I don't know. It just, it has that feel to it just in a more yeah. um, indie type feel. Yeah. Know, I do. I, mean? I, I agree that like the first half to like two thirds is a little bit too long. I think they, they, they save a lot of really cool stuff for the, the end that I wish had been like more mm-hmm. consistent throughout the beginning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, regardless, I had a ton of fun. This was a good palate cleanser yeah, for everything else that like we were watching. Because, good lord, there's some heavy shit. Uh, and then I think the last... Is this the last one for the Midnighters? Yeah. Speaking of heavy, uh, we, we're, we're, we're uh, finishing off this discussion of Sundance with Jacqueline Castell's uh, queer werewolf movie, My Animal, that I really wanted to like more, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I was... We had talked yeah. offline, and it reminds me a bit of, like... Boys Don't Cry dropped into a werewolf movie. And that is exactly like, what it like is. that's the easiest comparison. Well, yeah, because it's like, I mean, look, it's got really incredible performances by um, Bobby Salvor Menuez and then Amanda Great. Stenberg. Both queer, non-binary actors who are playing queer characters who are, like, trying to figure their shit out. I think it's got incredible like 90s vibes there's a lot of like gay lighting a lot of like beautiful like soft queer yearning in this movie like it's a really good gay drama and then the werewolf stuff kind of feels tacked on a little bit i could see where they were going but it just misses the mark like it just fizzles out in a way that's really disappointing like it feels like it's building to something really cool and it kind of just like a little bit to me. Uh, when it ended, I was like, "That's it's over." Mm-hmm. Like I, <laughs> I know I was the same it way. It just does not. It, it sets up like this this house of cards, and then it just sort of like whiffs it at the very end. Yep. And I don't know. I just I feel like if the idea of a werewolf is such a powerful metaphor for like otherness or for trying to conceal something inside of you and i just i don't you add that with queerness and on one hand i'm like okay i get it you're conflating being a closeted queer person in the 90s with werewolf and lycanthropy i get it it's just there's all these little pieces there and i just don't think they threaded them together very well it's a much better directed movie than i would say a written movie i would agree with that I think I would I would definitely agree with that because like it seemed like a queer like I said a queer drama that they were like oh fuck this would be a cool werewolf movie but like didn't think about how to connect those two things together mm-hmm. which is a bummer yeah it is a bummer because there's a lot of really cool th- ideas in here 
I just don't think it came together very well. Well, let's do a sharp pivot uh, to not Sundance. Yes. To our penultimate discussion of season one of Chucky with episodes five and six, where things, like like we talked about last time, things break bad even fucking worse. Yeah, like I told you last week, to strap on, slash strap in. <laughs> this, the these last, this, the last four episodes of this season just get brutal. You fucking think? Jesus Christ, we lose two mothers. <laughs> two parents! Two mothers in a single episode? Yes! What the fuck? In a very vicious way. Both of um, them! Particularly, so we find out, you know, that uh, Junior's mom um, has cancer, stage four cancer, mm-hmm. that she's been keeping from the family. And then by episode six, where she has decided that she's not going to uh, take chemo and she has told her family and she's just going to, you know, see whatever happens, happens. And Chucky fucking pushes her out of a window. And not only that, she falls on Junior's car and her face goes through the fucking windshield in front of fucking Junior. I'm like... You're fucking mean, Don Mancini. This was fucking Wait, mean. But then to add insult to fucking injury, you see something fall in the car next to it. Like, oh, cool, that's her. And then it's like, nah, bitch, it's not her. Nah, like, bitch. As if these fucking kids haven't haven't had enough trauma. Like, here, have your mom, oh. who like just told you she wasn't gonna get We're treatment even... for her cancer, and she fucking smashes and like, I'd be like, you know what? I'm good. Reset. Just put the reset button. Just leave. And then Devin's mom gets pushed down the stairs and breaks her fucking neck. Breaks her fucking neck. Like, it, that's like the worst thing about this series and the like in the in a good way is that like the only re- time that adults believe them is like right before they get savagely right murdered. Before they get murdered. You're like, well, I guess there's nothing else I can fucking do about that. Um, but then on top of these like absolutely grisly murders and Devin like find like finding out about Chucky and starting to put the pieces together with like all of our all of our cameos slash characters like start coming in from past stuff. So we have, mm-hmm. um, we get to see the backstory between uh, Chucky and Tiffany. Oh my god, Chucky and Tiffany and how they fucking met. Psychos, mm-hmm. goddamn psychos, mm-hmm. with Fiona. Psychos in love. Fiona Durf playing her dad. Uh, Adding more to the gender bending queerness of this, where you have like her playing. Charles E. Ray, Mackinac, Tiffany, in the past, and then you have Nika, Mackinac, Tiffany, as both Nika and Chucky in the present. It's like a sapphic dream. It's, it's my sapphic dream. Fucked up, fucked up. Oh, sapphic oh yeah, dream, like as we'll we'll get in the to m- soon. Most chaotic too. timeline. It's very much like, but yeah. But then we also have fucking Andy Barclay showing up and Kyle. They're like fucking FB. Like, it's like fucking Mulder and Scully, like traveling the <laughs> yeah. country trying to end the reign of Chucky. It's so funny when they fucking shoot the dog. Oh, God. It's. And they're just standing over them almost, almost in like a Quentin Tarantino esque, like aiming down and just unloading like their bullets Fuck into you, the Andy. doll. Fuck you, Andy. Fuck you, Andy. It's so good. It's, it's just. I love how they're folding it all together now. Like they really have done a good job yeah. setting it all up, like not trying to rush into fan service, I think. Cause I think a lot of shows like 
you know, based on these kinds of properties can really try to be like, we have to give the fan service. But it's like Chucky himself is already, I feel like, enough fan service. And like having these other characters come in when it actually logically makes sense rather than trying to like shoehorn it in, I think right. is like a really a testament to like the pacing and the writing of the show. It reminded me a bit of Curse of Chucky, how it's like, it almost feels like it could be a reboot. Yeah. And then eventually, the, the you know, it, in that movie, the skin comes off of the doll and you find out that it, no, it is a continuation. Yeah. And then other characters start coming in from the past. Mm-hmm. And that, I think this one does this incredibly well because we are now, you know, I think I think this they start to show up at like what? Six, episode six is kind of where. Yes. Like a little bit in five. A little bit. I think it was a little bit like in five. The, and then it goes into six is when we really see, especially the two of them, like in real life, because we get introduced yeah. to Tiffany as Jennifer Tilly slash Jennifer Tilly as Tiffany as Jennifer Tilly. yes that's it i was trying to think of like the Uh order of operations here but yes so we meet her and we then we see nika who here's what fucks me up in this fucking and this fucking shit how is it's like he is in nika but then he's also in the doll and i i like i understand that like we have split things up in cult of chucky but like, in, in what yeah. God's like, where are the consequences with the voodoo being that he's talking to? Like, I I know that this is like so like nitpicky and dumb, but all I can think of is like, is like whatever cosmic shit you're praying to, just like yeah, fucking do whatever you want. Like, I, that's awesome. Good for him for finding that because I feel like in most things there's consequences for like constantly using that power, and like I mean, good for you. It just like boggles the mind that it's like yeah just it's fucking fine just split it up oh man i cannot wait (laughs) until more happens with this i just don't understand how it works like who is the real chucky you know what i mean are they all the real chucky Mm. is nika the real chucky like who (laughs) who's the real chucky man Who's the real Charles Lee Ray? I mean, I think that is a question that deserves like a joint and just sort of sitting back and being like, yeah, man. Maybe I was stoned when I had that thought, okay? But like, I think it's a valid question. I think it's a valid valid question. question. Absolutely. I understand that this is a fucking show franchise about a haunted doll. About a haunted doll. (laughs) Real check his friends we made along the way. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah, it's true. Um, anyway, off the... My favorite part, my favorite part about this, though, is here's how you make the best alarm system known to man. Step one, find the creepiest doll you can find. Step two, attach wire to it to all of the doors so that it will turn on its own. And then step three, burn everything to the ground because fuck that. But, like, this is... This doll that they have set up in the middle of the room with, like, wires attached to windows and doors so that the doll will, like, turn if Chucky is here. I'm like, that's creepy as fuck. That's creepier than Chucky. <laughs> uh-huh. It's true. Oh, and then also didn't, um, Jake and Devin had their first little smoochy smooch. They had their little smoochy Yay, smooch. love. I love their relationship. It's so cute. I love that they're, it's like, there's obviously homophobia in some parts of it, but, like, it's not, like, sorry, after Jake's dad dies, like, it kind of isn't as, like, queer bashing, and it is a little bit more, like, you guys right. like each other. 
And I like that, that we're not trying to, like, make this all about, like, oh, the gay kids, you know? It makes me happy that in this day and age we can make a show about queers, young baby queers especially, that are, like, yeah, having a hard time, but, like, can also have these relationships without being constantly ridiculed. It's just nice to see it, you know? It is nice. We've also talked about, like, the, the needle drop song moments in oh, this. Heads will and roll. the end of episode five, heads will roll. Yes. I was like, like, oh, my God. This show is everything to me. The fucking, like, the, I mean, God damn. Bringing in the yeah, yeah, yeahs with heads will roll oh, as God. a fucking head rolls. The fucking principal uh, gets And it's a split diopter. Oh. With, like, the head in the front and then the reactions in behind. It's just like. Mm, 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 it's mm, just. Mm, mm, mm. It's just so good. The show is incredible. It's just... <sighs> yeah. I don't know. It's just so good. We So much happened. There's so, uh, there's two more episodes left. The pacing. The, the pacing, pacing is this. really good. I've never felt... This is one of the first shows in a long time that I've been like, oh, I've never actually like kind of felt bored. I feel like we're... It's moving along really well. It's just constantly moving. It's adding complications. Yeah. It's changing the, the script. Yeah. It is doing things that television don't doesn't do we had two moms die in a single episode and i not to spoil it's gonna get worse like there is actual stakes here yeah. in this teen-centric show about a fucking 40 year old doll Weird. like it's just it's good it's so good it's so good it's so good so we are watching the last two episodes, and I'm just so nervous <laughs> for what are going to happen. I know that our three main babies survive, but at what cost is kind of where, like, my brain's at. Like, at what cost for these poor, poor little babies? Because I know things break real bad. But any any who's it. Yeah. It's vicious. So, yeah. yeah. So next week we're going to continue talking about Sundance, because... There's a lot of movies that are not genre or genre adjacent that I really am excited to talk about. And like I said, I'm going to probably watch, I think, two more movies tomorrow night that I'm hoping will be really good. So So next week, we are talking to Paul Owens, the writer and director Mm. of Landlocked. And he brought with him Bram Stoker's Dracula. And as you can imagine, Go to Horny Jail is very much a theme of the episode. Shocking I no mean, one. I mean, you know, this This last week it was Horny Ducks, and this week it's Horny I completely everyone. forgot that I talked about that corkscrew duck penis thing, and I am so glad to be reminded of it, because I'm glad that my weird animal penis knowledge can be utilized for good and also evil. And also evil, yes. I... We had recorded that episode of, of a while ago because uh, we had an opportunity to. And when I was editing it, I was laughing hysterically at some of the places the conversation went. Because, and yes, duck penis, corkscrew, condoms. How'd that work? It was, a, it was an incredible experience. So go listen to that episode and then tune into yeah. our episode with Paul <laughs> and Owens. And watch Landlock this weekend. Watch Landlock this weekend. It is so good. Check it out. It's like found footage, hybrid found footage, mumble gore, that good shit. So, so listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you attend Sundance virtually or have tickets for anything and watched a film? Did you do you have any highly anticipated films coming out of Sundance? You can uh, send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter. You know where at MB McAndrews. 
I'm at Gaily Dreadful. And uh, follow the podcast, duh, at Sky Podcast. Duh. duh. And don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And, you know, if you want to help us out some more, join us on Patreon. You could be watching, you'd be able to see the Skinamarink. Kevin, you'd be <laughs> able like to just see my gay and wonderful the hat. Skinamarink. <laughs> the Skinamarink. He is the Skinamarink. That, he is the skin of a ring. Um, thank you to Eric Power for music. Thank you to Sean Keller. Nope. Why? Why do I switch them? <laughs> I was like, that does not sound right. I know. I was like, I said it. I was like, ah. thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to mm. Sean Keller for our music. Thank mm. you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. Most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.